Hello, and welcome to the Core Stories podcast. Today, we have a special guest, Crockett Good. Crockett, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, hello. Um, I My name is Crockett Good. I'm from West Tennessee. I moved to Nashville 15 years ago to come to Lipscomb University, and was there for five years, and met my wife there, and have been in Nashville ever since. How long have you been at Otter Creek? So my wife and I placed membership, I think almost a year ago. When I was in college, I, I came to Otter Creek pretty much the entire time. And then my wife and I went to Ethos right when we first got married, and then we decided to come back to Otter Creek a year and a half ago. That's great. Yeah. All right. So tell us a little bit about what you do for your job. Yes, so I am the assistant director at Illuminate Academy, which is a school, we don't say the word school, but we are essentially a homeschool tutorial program for children with autism and learning disabilities. And what's that like? Um, it's, it's great. It's fun. Um, it's just a different world, and we try to serve um, a lot of children with different backgrounds especially those who tend to have not worked out in either public or private schools. So we have a lot of families that just kind of reach out to us either from just different programs not working for their child, and we specialize in each individual learner and trying to meet them where they're at and help provide them a better learning environment to just kind of assist to their needs as well as the family's dreams and what they hope to achieve with their job. Yeah. That's great. How many kids are at Illuminate Academy? This year, at the beginning of the school year, we started off with 27, and now we're already down to 25. And then as of today, we're back up to 26. We ended the school year last year with 43. So we took, took a little bit of a hit just with different families, with finances. We are a private pay institution. And so with finances and COVID and just kind of fears, we kind of went down on some numbers but it's fine we're we have a great team this year maybe even better than previous years it's very community-based it's kind of nice to go back and look at the mistakes that we've made in previous years and kind of capitalize on those with smaller groups and smaller pods as we're calling them this year and kind of learning from our mistakes in the past and and growing uh, to be better yeah that sounds great What does a day in the life of Crockett kind of look like? Ooh, it changes every day. My boss, she intentionally kind of leaves my job description open-ended because, I mean, I am really good at plunging toilets. (laughs) I'm also really good um, at helping children kind of um, with their behaviors. That's kind of mostly what a day looks like for me. Um, is kind of being on call for all of our different classrooms. Uh, This year we have five different classrooms, and our youngest learner is a little over three, and our oldest is 19. So the behaviors can range from a child that's three years old that is hungry and he doesn't know how to, you know, communicate that, or a child that is 19 that just kind of needs big hugs and big squeezes and kind of sensory input that someone that is not quite the size of him can can give him so yeah so the theme of 
this year's um, core story is why I serve. So what makes the special needs world compelling to you? Well, if you'd asked me nine years ago, well, no, if you'd asked me 11 years ago, I'd have been like, well, it's, it's not that compelling. I have a degree in ministry and graphic design from Lipscomb, and so I wanted to do something along those lines, and then kind of graduated right towards middle end of the recession. There weren't a lot of jobs available at that time, and so I just randomly Google search one day autism and trying to understand it. And it, it was very intriguing to me because I didn't understand. I'm kind of like a tinkerer in my mind. The way that my mind works is I want to figure things out. I want to have like solutions. I want to uh, problem solve things. And kind of the common theme among autism is that it's different. Every single child is different. Every single mind is different. And it, it was just very interesting to me. So there was a school for a two to six year olds for that serve children with autism and I just called them one day and I was like hey can I intern here and they're like sure because <laughs> in the autism world if anybody wants to help or serve or whatnot you just let them in and I kind of fell in love with it with just within weeks fell in love with the kids and fell in love with the practices and the generosity and, and the heart that it takes and I felt myself kind of gravitating towards those individuals, whether they're Christians or not. You just have to have a heart for it. And it, I just found it so interesting and loved, loved the field, loved the mindset, and more so loved the kids and just their creativity and their joy and just pure joy and being that person of joy for them, especially when a lot of times those children don't have those people kind of in our our society. So you said you got your degree in ministry. Yes. And it sounds like what you're doing is a pretty big ministry. So um, do you see that in what you do every day? <laughs> it depends on the day. <laughs> um, but I don't know. There, there would be times that I would kind of argue that, no, it's just a job. But it's definitely seeing different people that have gotten burned out throughout the course of the few years. And the mindset that it kind of takes and, and the, I don't I think it's cheap to say patience, but because I, I, I would tend to not like classify myself as a super patient person, but whenever you meet people and you tell them what you do, they're like, oh my gosh, you have so much patience. And it's just like, oh, well, I guess I do. But it, it just ends up being something that you just have a compassion for and you more so have a compassion for uh, the children and what their needs are and trying to allow them to communicate how they want something and to express it to you um, just in different ways, whether it's with a talker or whether it's with a communication board that you create for them. So as far as ministry, I would say there have been several times within the last few years that I've either been contemplating whether I should move out or whatnot, and God has made it very clear to me that I should be staying in the field. Mm -hmm. And so I've just been trying to do my best to listen. And I mean, it'd be a lot easier to go and make a lot more money somewhere <laughs> else, but this is what my passion is. And I love serving the families and helping them kind of reach what goals they have as a family. And so God is definitely placing me here, and I. I'm just wanting to listen and 
see how long he wants to be here. That's beautiful. I love that. So some of the things that I have been reading lately have talked about the special needs community and church. And um, specifically, there are a number of articles and stories and blog posts out there of parents of special needs children, um, regardless of what that looks like, saying that they've struggled to find a church home. In your day-to-day work, why do you think that that is? Every single child is different. Every single child uh, interprets the world in a different way. And so, you know, you have some families that are very open about their child having autism and what that looks like and, you know, communicating that to different people in different environments. And you have people on the other side where they don't want to infringe and they don't want to kind of overstep any boundaries or be um, insensitive towards families. So what what that ends up kind of being like is you have families that – so they want to participate and they want to be a part of churches, but it's sometimes difficult for them to accommodate what their child's needs are. Um, understanding the the church as a whole and kind of what, through the eyes of a child with autism, that might look like. It's a loud environment. It it has a lot of people. It, especially community. I mean, community is huge, and you know for. A lot of children with autism, that's something that they don't seek, that's something they don't crave, and that's something that we actually try to teach. We try to teach um, a child needing human interaction to, to assess what their need or to gain what their needs are. And so it's hard to, to view it through a child's eyes when it's been done a certain way for so long. So there are a lot of churches in, in, throughout the South and like Texas and whatnot that are trying to start serving this population, and that's by providing headphones or providing noise-canceling headphones or providing fidgets or providing different things to allow each child to be more comfortable throughout that service. A lot of the things that we work with with our children is allowing them to tell us when they want a break and honoring that and giving them a break. And so, you know, for a new family trying to come back to a church, I would, I would want them to, you know, establish their child having the ability to, you know, ask for breaks and, and letting them, you know, take a break and go walk down the hall. In the grand scheme of things, that's like, that's not that big of a deal, right? <laughs> you want the parents to experience the community that they're craving and they're thriving and that they are um, seeking. But if that looks like them having to walk out of the auditorium and walk their child down the hall, they can still get closer to that community. And hopefully that will inspire more conversations for the church to you know, accommodate those, that family's needs. Because it breaks my heart, especially with a ministry background, to see families wake up on Sunday morning and just say, it's not worth it today. Mm-hmm. And I get it. I mean, I say that I get it. I don't have a child with special needs or learning disabilities, but I completely understand with my experience with my families, that some days you you wake up and you, you can see how your child wakes up and you can see that something's a little off today and you can just know, okay, going to the grocery store or going to church or going to the park, it might be a harder thing to do today. And I, th- I guess with, with churches, I guess also asking 
or seeking patience with those families and knowing of what internal struggles may be existing right there and keep encouraging, but I guess don't overstep because you may not really know how hard it is for Mm -hmm. them to pack up the car and get them to church. And if they get here and they leave in 10 minutes, they tried and it's okay. Yeah. That's great. I love, I love that. Be encouraging, be there and don't assume that you know the answers. Don't assume that you know. Yeah, because I I don't know the answers and I've been in the field for 10 years. So I think all of us and including the lead team at my work, we are all comfortable enough saying, but like, I'm not sure, you know, let's, let's try this thing. Let's try those things and let's try to figure it out because every child and every family is different and how they receive or process information. It's just different. You don't have to have patience, but it's always, it's a fruit of the spirit, right? That's right. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So I've learned a fancy word lately, um, ableism. And my understanding of what ableism is, is viewing the world through the lens of somebody who does not have any sort of disability or learning disability. And it sounds like that's what you're talking about, being able to step back and view the world from from the eyes of somebody that's different than you, to, to ask questions and get curious about little things like time and breaks and fidgeting and things like that. Yeah. A lot of what we do is help our children accommodate to the world because the world's not going to change, right? We're still going to have, well, <laughs> we're still going to have large crowds at <laughs> gatherings someday. <laughs> but... And, and we understand that, and we understand that the world that they're living in is different, and the world that they kind of seek is different. One thing that we strongly encourage our children is to try to give them the need for human interaction. What that does is it ends up creating this kind of system in place so that the child starts learning, okay, whatever my needs are, whether I'm hungry or whether I'm thirsty or whether I want to go outside, or whether I want to go play in the creek, eventually I may need someone else to help me achieve that. With the church and with that in mind, I feel like the church can be a place, or a youth group can be in place, where that child would want that interaction and want to be that. We would just potentially need to set up some things in place to allow that child to be successful in that environment, whether, you know, it's headphones or whether it's fidgets or whether it's a buddy. Yeah. And I know that Otter Creek is doing their best, and this is a PSA to try to get more people involved <laughs> with with the special needs ministry here. Contact That's right. Becky <laughs> or Miss Susan. Yes, Absolutely. I found it interesting what you said before about the world is not going to change to accommodate to your children. And a part of me feels like church maybe should be the one place that does. <laughs> church maybe should be the one place where, where everybody's welcome to the table, no matter what we have to do to make sure that you're comfortable there. I would hope so, yeah. right? I think the church is a great place for those things to start existing. I think it's more so to start potentially having those conversations either with families or for those of you listening that know people that love God but are not a part of a body anywhere that may be seeking that or may be craving that. 
I think that's the part that hurts my heart the most is to think about families that are out there. The more days that you wake up on a Saturday and it's harder to go over to a friend's house and the more, you know, Friday nights that you can't really get a babysitter because, you know, he or she is not really there and you just don't feel comfortable leaving the house. The more that happens, the more you separate from community. There's a lot of families that are out there that have a great community and there's a lot of families that don't and they may not necessarily be comfortable letting people know, hey, like I need, I need somebody just as much. And I think that is a part of, I guess, where I also kind of see it as a ministry as well, is the more that I help families understand their child and the more that they understand their child, the more comfortable they can have with confidence of leaving their child with a babysitter or kind of growing and, and putting themselves in situations that they're confident with. A kind of example of that is a family a few years ago was like, hey, we'd really like to go to restaurants. And it was like, okay, what does that look like? And it's just like, well, we can't go to a restaurant without being there either, either four minutes or five minutes until they're ready to leave. So we, we started a program where every single week on Thursdays, we would take that classroom out to lunch. And we started with McDonald's that was across the street and you know had their devices or had them communicate what they wanted for lunch. And then it slowly, over the course of a year, two years, the family can go to Baja Burrito or they can go to Logan's. Now, that might have regressed over the last few months just because restaurants, but we'll start working on it again. But being able to give some families a sense of, just a sense of normal living and, and having a normal Friday night out. I mean, that that's the stuff that's very important, important to me and important to us, just allowing families and allowing children to have the lives that they deserve, helping our community as a whole understanding and not being fearful to accommodate those those people in those situations if that makes sense yeah it absolutely makes sense i don't know if they answered the question <laughs> at all though. it doesn't matter it was a good answer <laughs> regardless so i think sometimes when people think of the special needs community they think i'm not sure how i could help i don't have the training or the skills or or things like that but you've talked about like the buddy program at Otter Creek and some other things. So what would you say to somebody who was maybe curious about how they could help families, how they could show up for families, especially in a church setting? Yeah, honestly, uh, you know, a family knows what they, what they want and what they need. Um, just be bold and ask if they need help. That's really hard for, every, for any person to ask, uh, to just go up to somebody and ask them if they need help. More than likely they do if they turn you away. It depends on if you have a, you know, a good relationship with them or not. But be careful because they might be like, yes, here you go. I'm out. I'm gone. And they, they just run away. But, you know, just, just don't, don't be fearful and, and ask for families if they need help. You know, ask them what they need. We ask all of our children every single day what they need in any type of any type of like when we see any behavior arising or see them going the other way, we're like, hey, you know, what do you need? And I have, you know, taken that to heart. Even with my friends, I'm like, hey, what do you, what do you need right now? 
I see you're a little mad at me. What do you need? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that's important that it's a lot. It's easy to step back and be like, oh, man, like, that mom's got it. She's got it under control. Honestly, she may not in her mind or how she's feeling. She might be overwhelmed. I, w- I would just say with confidence, like, reach out. Like, that that might be what the family needs. And if nothing else, they may turn you away, but they may not turn you away the next time or the next time. Or they may reach out and be like, hey, I need help. I think that's important. And I think any any parent needs help all the time, right? <laughs> right. Uh, I wouldn't say that especially children with autism or those families need more help. But I think we're called to have that sense of community living and have that sense of people reaching out and helping others, just trying to help us all live that that better life of living. Yeah, absolutely. In this time of COVID, especially um, as you have just started back to school, what is giving you life right now? So I am an introvert, and those drives in the morning, 23 minutes, that's how long it takes me to drive to my work. Driving back home, it takes a little bit less, but I think that's more so my heavy-footedness on the ready to get home. Either listening to um, sermons or listening to podcasts or listening to music, just having an understanding that I'm an introvert and I need my time alone and I need to focus and to kind of like reset in the day. That is kind of my time. So Illuminate Academy, we are not a religious institution, but I with confidence feel that I'm there because God wants me there. I believe that Illuminate Academy started because my boss, she's a strong woman of faith, and she started it because God was calling her to do this. And so it's encouraging to have a place with families that are religious and that are not religious and have employees that are religious and not religious, but behind closed doors we can talk about like what what God's doing and that's encouraging and my wife and her understanding that I'm an introvert and sometimes she needs to just leave me alone but I'm an Enneagram too and so that contradicts because I'm like no you don't have to go I can help you do whatever you want but she's just like no you need to be by yourself but secretly like i know that i need that but because i'm a two i can't like tell her that i need that it's it's a cycle but um (laughs) the first step is awareness though right (laughs) so yeah having having my time to myself but also having in an institution that is not built off of or is not uh, like we are not a christian institution but having people of faith there and having being able to like talk and being like, man, this is a God thing, but never being able to like say, you know, we're never going to go up to a family and be like, oh, we think that this was clearly God interacting with your child in this moment, but us believing that. That's great. So. Yeah. And where are you finding the holy in the day to day? It's very easy to to find the holy because, one, children are just pure, right? And even Jesus calls us to be like children. And having several of our children 
getting to the point where they start craving human interaction and you start becoming like their person or their, you know, once you provide a child with, you know, kind of like their needs and help them communicate what their needs are, you kind of become their person, you kind of become. And so having just what I would express is just pure love coming from someone else, like that that's the holy right. It's like that's not their intention, but that's the only thing that they know how to do is just like show you just, you know, pureness. And sometimes it's hard to see that in some days, but a lot of days it's easy to see it. And, you know, a lot of our children are very affectionate. And it's hard to not be affectionate during COVID. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes you just got to wear your mask, turn the other way, and just embrace the hug. So Yeah, absolutely. That's mm-hmm. wonderful. Well, Crockett, okay, thank you so much for being here with us today. This has been a great conversation. Um, and I would encourage anybody that is curious about special needs ministry and how they can get involved to, to reach out to me. You can email me at becky at ottercreek.org. Um, I know Crockett is planning on doing a training with some of our staff and volunteers. COVID, of course, has changed yeah. life as we know it, so that's kind of been put on hold. But we know that this is part of being uh, the body of Christ is welcoming every single member and I'm so grateful for you Crockett for um, I'm grateful for you I'm grateful for Otter Creek thank you absolutely Core Stories is a ministry of Otter Creek Church you can find out more about us on Facebook Instagram or Twitter or visit us online at ottercreek.org